Play the fight song. What's up, everybody, and welcome into the Play the Fight Song podcast. Another live show tonight. We are happy to be here. We are going to talk a lot of things college football. There is a ton of recent news. If you haven't noticed yet, Reese is not here with us. He will be in studio in a little bit. He's just a little bit delayed, but he didn't want to leave you guys out to dry. The other boys are here. I'm alongside my co-host, Jake, who's in full Iowa State mode, maybe a little bit of basketball. Jake, how are we doing tonight? Are you ready to go? Yeah, it's officially basketball season. I've, I've dipped into the college basketball NBA spectrum, but we're still we're still tapped into college football all off season because there is no off season when it comes to the sport. Why did you wait till your team won two big games in a week to start watching, you know, and like the rest of the sport, were you just being petty? I haven't started watching. I've been watching. Yeah, but you weren't in college basketball season mode until this past week. Yeah. Cause it really felt like those, those two wins this week really, uh, now we're, we're actually talking, we're actually talking about this team uh, being something in March and, yeah, it really put him in the driver's seat to uh, maybe win a conference title. I almost feel like getting into it this late, like if they would have been bad, would you have gotten into it at all? You know, so if they were bad, bad like, fandom, like they're like they're out of like March Madness contention. So set up like Iowa. Yeah. Um, hey, man, yeah, we'll I, get hot. I, here. I, you win five of your next six and then win some Q1s. Yeah, I probably I'd, I mean, I'd still watch, need but I wouldn't be as excited about it. For sure. Fair enough. Okay, times. let's let's go down to the bottom half. Let's go to JP. A lot of moves that we're going to talk about with Iowa this past week. We'll give you the floor um, now just to kind of give your introductory thoughts to it, and we'll break it down a little later. But how are we feeling? A lot of Iowa news floating around. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of stuff going on within the world. I wish this was done a couple months ago instead of right now. Uh, but I think we understood Ferentz when he said he was waiting until after the new year. And then I think we fell into a hole where we were – looking for people and they went, they didn't really want the job. Ferentz was hiring, you know, very specific. Um, and so we were led one way, everything pointed that way. And then it comes out Sunday that it's, it's a different, different guy. One of the final two, but still not the one that we thought we were getting. Uh, but at the same time, as angry as most people are and as upset as we are, like what better than to be wrong about it, right? Like you want to be wrong and you want it to be a great hire and it all work out well. We'll get into it more later, but I think it's always rooted for success, whether you love the hire or not. Like, let's just make sure we get to a point where we can actually win football games without the stress of, you know, having to do it 10-7 all the time. He he was actually the second option. Like, I yeah. really I well, legitimately. I don't know if didn't. second option is the right way to put it because obviously no one knows what was going on in Kirk's head. He was the top two, like the yeah, final okay. two in that situation. So, but every news outlet, every um, guy that covers the Iowa team, uh, all your beat writers, everybody else was assuming it was going the other way. All signs pointed that way, and it didn't. So, what do we know? You know, what do we know? We all, I like, I say it all the time. We know nothing. I know. Nothing. We know nothing. We I know nothing. We have no sources. We have nothing here. But we like to take educated guesses, and sometimes they're right, and we want all the credit then. Uh, okay, let's go through the schedule for tonight. We have a lot of recent news to get through, as I mentioned. Then we're going to do some transfer portal team rankings, one through five. We have some graphics for that that we'll put up on the screen. Tell us if we're wrong. Tell us if you agree. Drop a comment. We want to be active with you guys throughout this entire stream. So if you're, it's your first time being here, please drop some comments. We will fully 
address them. We will tell you you're wrong. Sometimes we had some of the worst takes I've ever seen last week. Just kidding. Um, and then our discussion point came through. Um, another big question today, a lot of, a lot more team focused through college football for the 2024 season upcoming. And then the most important part, which I just did the finish the graphics for them. There are a lot of discrepancies with our top 10 of the last 10 national champions in college football. A lot of teams in completely different spots, but it's hard to argue champions. Anybody, we're going to do it tonight. Tell us if we're wrong on that as well. So action packed episode. Let's lead off with some recent news in college football. Um, I don't know where you guys want to start. This list is long. It's a big day for the Big I, I put, 12. We'll I put let a Jake... long list together. Yeah. yeah. I don't know who I know who put it together. I, I just want to know the organizational skills. And like, um, first thing came about came to just this word is chronicle, on This here. is chronological order from when the last time we recorded. It is. It's chronological order. I can take like, us through it. One of your bullets to. got six bullets, you know? Yeah, I don't. I think we should have had an, another subtitle at the very least. Like there should have been another another subtitle, but I'll make right. my way through it. Let's lead off with Will Rogers. He is staying at the University of Washington. This is somebody who we talked about for a generally good amount of time last week on where he could end up, possible landing spots. He's not going anywhere. He's staying home, and he will be the quarterback at Washington next year. How do we feel about this? Just quickly, JP. Yeah, I think Reese said last week, like, why not give it a shot there? Um, obviously, he didn't have any intel within the Washington program, but I think what a spot Will Rogers was in. Like, he picks a school, coach leaves. Do you really want to go back into the portal that late in the cycle? Right, like you get the 30-day grace, but is it really worth it to go jump somewhere else and try to find a new home when a lot of spots are filled? A, B, you know that if they are filled, you're at least going for a battle. There, no one's going to guarantee you anything at a level that you know. Jake said this is a kid that can play in the power. We're calling it three, four, four, four power. power, power four, yeah, I don't know three how many and a half. But, uh, three and a half. Let's go three and a half. Okay, you know, yeah. ACC and uh, Big Twelve might share one there, but it's. It's one of those things where, where does a kid go late in the cycle? So uh, good for him. I think that might be, it's going to be a different kind of quarterback up there now. And we'll just see how it all goes for him. And Austin Mack leaving, like that solidifies, he's probably going to be the starter unless they bring him somebody in the spring. So somewhere where, yeah, he'll get another spot. The next spot, Jim Harbaugh takes the job with the Los Angeles Chargers. He will be replaced by Sharon Moore, their offensive coordinator, who obviously coached two to three games last year as the head coach of the Wolverines during his time away. This is not shocking. I think JPU probably said it first that they this was going to be a done deal soon. It's yeah. now done. I think they made the right hire here. I don't know if there were many moves that you could have made that could have been considered better. Um, but what do you guys take away from this initial hiring? I will say that Harbaugh did take Minter and Herbert, their strength and conditioning coach, with him. And then they replaced their strength and conditioning coach as well. But what do we think of this move overall? And the question that stands, where does Michigan rank now that this move has been made? Oh, shoot. Um, What do we have the conversation last week? Like from the comments and then just us panning it to ourselves, where do we put them with no hardball, right? I think you slip them a little bit, but again, we're so early in this. Like that's what we did the way too early top 10 last week. So maybe they slip a little bit, but I think you can't move them out of the top 10. Like, let's just keep them in there anywhere from eight to 10, right? Because they still have quarterback issues. We touched on that. Um, But I think it's the safe hire. I don't know if it's the right hire. I don't know if it's going to pan out. I don't know Mm. if they're going to go backwards. Uh, A couple of things I did get from uh, that hire, though, like 
he came out and said, I'm not Jim Harbaugh. I'm not going to act like him. I'm not going to coach like him. But how different does this program get from the inside out, right? How attractive is it to go play for Sharon Moore compared to Jim Harbaugh? How attractive is it, um, you know, the brand of football? Because you know he'll run the ball 30 times in a row in a game, and he's done it. Uh, they're going to stay within that scheme. I don't expect an offensive scheme change. I would assume they're going to stay stout on defense and do that whole thing. They bring back pretty much everybody on the back end. Uh, mm -hmm. So will it work out? I don't know. I think it's a safe hire. I think it's the hire we expected, and pretty much everybody did. But where do you, you know, where, where's the discrepancies? And we have yet to see that because it's so early still. It seems like they're retaining a lot of the players that maybe we thought maybe the poor portal will just go wild again, kind of like Alabama and the Washington situations. But they really haven't. They, I mean, somebody listed on here, Noah Stewart, Matthew Hibner, the only two guys to have entered the portal since this move. Jake, what do you take away on everything? Yeah, I mean, it's – I guess you could say it's safe, but I also think it's the right hire. JP, you said it was more safe than right. But I think this is a guy in Sharon Moore that I'm pretty high on. I think he could have left last year and taken a lower – uh, group of five level or maybe even a lower power five level head coaching job like that was on the table for him uh, the question is is who does he go and get for his coordinators now that uh, Minter left for the defensive coordinator spot at the Chargers and obviously Moore was was the offensive coordinator so maybe he just retains play calling duties we'll just wait and see but they're really trying to replicate everything that they've been doing the last three years. They promoted a guy who was assistant strength coach. He's going to take over the head strength coach job. And like I said, he's he says he's not Jim Harbaugh, but you're bringing back Donovan Edwards. We'll wait and see with Orgy. We'll see what kind of quarterback he is, but I have a feeling they're going to stick to that smash mouth football. He's, he's Jalen Milrow 2.0. Mm -hmm. That's so, who he is. So don't expect Michigan to change anything with – you know, if they had J.J. McCarthy and they only threw it 15 times a game if they had to, I don't expect it to change in 2024. We talked about changing rankings. I mean, we kind of all expected this. I still keep them in my top 10. I still keep them ahead of Alabama. I had them at six last week. I'm probably putting them at eight. Like we said, Parks, they only left two guys who didn't even play who have entered the portal. I think they're keeping everybody back. So this is one team that I think you can expect – to, I don't know, you'll see a lot of what you know next year. That's a team going for a four-peat within their conference. I like the fit of Orgy and the kind of a run-heavy offense. I think, JP, you nailed it. Milrow is a great comparison for him. You didn't see a lot of design quarterbacks run with McCarthy behind back there, but I feel like you're almost going to get more of a read option look probably Isn't he a bigger dude more. than Milrow, though? Isn't yeah, he like he's much a big, bigger yeah. than Milrow? Yeah, he's a big dude. And he came in on those run sets, both in the Rose Bowl and the national title game, just for a couple plays. And they were successful there. So that's imagine what I imagine their offensive identity to be under more. So it's a good move. I like the hire as well. Um, it doesn't look like Michigan's getting any worse, which is terrible news for college football and Big Ten fans. So, all right, let's go to the next point. That is Iowa. We are finally here. Tim Lester hired Western Michigan old offensive coordinator. He was with the Packers as an uh, I'm sorry, Western Michigan old head coach. He was with the Packers as an analyst for a few years, and he spent time at Purdue as a quarterback's coach. JP, we'll go back to you on this. We'll let you kind of dive into it a little bit more. From what I took from it, it's kind of a pistol set, read option, still run heavy, which is fits right into Ference's liking, mm -hmm. um, but a, definitely a different look than what we've seen from Iowa and the fullback and, and you know, just an I-formation type offense. So, some possibilities there. What do you see from it? Do you actually like it? Your initial thought when you saw the hiring, were you pissed? 
uh, initial thought is, are we sure anything's changing? Like uh, maybe we modernize some small things, but it's not the offensive coordinator's offense in a Kirk Ferentz program. It's never been. It's forever been. I mean, you go back to Davis and you have uh, his son, Brian, and just through the whole thing, right? Like it's been Kirk Ferentz's offense. So if it does change and we try to modernize it and he actually gets some say, I think it could work out just fine. We're not, I mean, throw us in the top 80, top 70 within the offensive world and let's be able to run the football the way, you know, we breed these offensive linemen to uh, and consistently have good fullbacks and good tight ends. Like let's be able to lean into our strengths that we once had. Right. Uh, it, yeah. Like you said, like he is run heavy, but it is more of an RPO set. Uh, the ability to move the football around and quarterbacks don't have to be studs. Uh, they don't have to be complete playmakers. They need to be crazy distributors. Uh, and when you look at distributors, like that's what Cade McNamara does. But Cade needs to be healthy and Cade needs to be able to move. And if he can't, then we have problems because, you know, Deacon can't do that. Uh, there are Reeser. Uh, James Reeser's coming in, uh, four-star kid out of Florida. And then we also have uh, Marco Linas on campus here that played in the bowl game that is has the ability to move, right? Like what shot do you give each of these kids and what really draws them to this offense and keeps them around, right? So what can we do to enhance the run game and make it not so predictable? We're ability to get the ball out to playmakers. And then the other side, we need playmakers on the outside. So a lot of it, a lot more of it has to do with still some personnel issues to be completely honest yep. with you. Like the offensive line comes back, you bring in Proctor, who is just a game changer, a game wrecker on that side. But what, how much do we improve on the offensive line? How much of it was the scheme? How much of it was just the inability to, uh, you know, really overpower people. And it's going to tell us everything. Is Tim Lester a bad hire? I don't know. Did I feel a little hesitant about it? And just like, it kind of like, what the hell are we doing for a little bit? A hundred percent. But then again, like, why would I, once that happens, it's like, okay, let's actually look into this a little bit more. Let's look at what he's done. Uh, they had good offenses at Western Michigan. When he was an OC at Syracuse, they weren't great. But the Syracuse does not have the same athletes Iowa does. That's a step down in recruiting. It's a step down. Um, is the receiver room a step down? Um, I, I it's a legit question. No, the receiver room is probably not, but your quarterback room is, your offensive line room is, like your running back room outside of you know a couple of the last couple of years for them is definitely a step down. But when he was there, they were really, really bad. Like this isn't the Syracuse team with Sean Tucker winning eight games, seven games a year, right? This is a Syracuse team struggling to win four in the ACC. Um, so like we, he's had scored points. He's had playmakers on the outside that he's developed within it. Uh, it just needs to stay that way, right? Like it needs to become development. And then being a quarterback coach, like let's let's get a quarterback coach that's ready to develop some guys because mm -hmm. ever since, shoot, you go back to the beginning of time with Drew Tate, it, it wasn't the best as time went on. And then you look at uh, Nate Stanley's sophomore year, the guy was bananas. He was like almost 30 and 10. And then when he goes, just declines, the numbers decline. And we need to be able to progress our quarterbacks or continue to get better and not make them handcuffed. So if we're running RPO stuff, you're putting a lot of trust in that kid under center. And to be honest with you, good. Because if you don't and you just don't let him be the offensive coordinator and really help make this better, things could – like, could they get worse? Yeah, but, like, we're already at the bottom of the barrel here. Like, we're we're scraping. So It's only uh, up from here. It, it really is. is. But like, I, it but, really is. <laughs> but you know what doesn't go up is your wins. You are not going to yeah. consistently win eight games anymore. If That's not a thing. doesn't uh, – yeah, 100%. So, like, let's let's try, right, like, this year. Like, let's try to finish in the top 12. There's no reason this program can't, you know, 
fight for a playoff spot every year. And I'm not saying they're going to get in every year, but there's no reason you shouldn't be in the top five or six of the Big Ten every year. Even schedule. I mean, I think the schedule this year is manageable. It is. From, and from it got I've easier. Seen, so. It got a lot easier when DeBoer took a job at Alabama, yep. right? Yeah. Um, and so let's see what Jonathan Smith does at Michigan State. That'll be a big one to really uh, play everything. I don't think Minnesota is going to be very good. Wisconsin might take a step forward. Um, you know, Iowa State's not a Big Ten game, but it is early and it is something you're going to find out quick, right? Like whether you're perennially beating them or not, like it, it's not going to matter because they're more veteran than we are in some spots. Um, especially on the offensive side, like they're a lot more veteran, a lot more proven. So it's going to be an early test and an early find out. I'd love to see uh, check back with me in like April after spring practice in the spring game. And let's just let's break some stuff down. And let's go through it because that'll be the real telltale of how much he's let him plug in because this is install time. Like it's time Are to we install doing, Is Iowa doing a spring game? They do a spring game every year? They do. Well, they do like a scrimmage, like a controlled okay. scrimmage where um, – it's not like they're going up and down all the time, right? Like, but it's live plays, so it's not told, a true scrimmage. I, I told Just, Justin we're going to the we got to go to the spring game this year. We got we got content to talk about, so we definitely have to. Hopefully, last year was like literally thirty five degrees and sleeting. So I hope it's better this year. They don't air one, that like on ESPN Plus. Uh, the Big Ten does every once in a while for Iowa games. I don't know how they do it for. Big I think Bowl. the Iowa State one is more. I mean, it is like. Um, like JP said, it's a controlled scrimmage. They they do mm-hmm. a lot of possessions inside the red zone where they just start in the red zone. Um, then they'll go full length of the field, mix in some different guys. And like, yeah, it's not a game. It's not a game, Parks. You guys Sell remember? <laughs> well, we don't we don't have a game either. They do like different drills and stuff like that. But I was shocked last year. Remember when they did Colorado's on main ESPN? Oh yeah. And it turned into like a scrimmage, and like nobody lined up on Travis Hunter to throw him a touchdown pass. That was. <laughs> Peak. I mean, did it yeah. matter though? Like people thought oh, they look pretty good. Yeah, I'd look good. Everybody turned it on. <laughs> I will, I, I'll, let oh, yeah. on. I'll tell you firsthand. I was like, all right, we got some football on ESPN in middle of April. I'll take it. <laughs> so it worked on me. Uh, they they targeted the right audience. Um, I will say, I think JP, you mentioned that even getting this offense up to being the 80th ranked, which isn't like seemed to be too much of an ask for a 10 win team. That's still a 50 spot jump from where they're at, just so everybody understands what we're talking 50. about. That's so many. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it, like that jump. I just want you to realize, like, between like the bottom 10 and like the next 10 is another like 20, 30, 40 yards a game. So imagine jumping 50 spots, right? Just the ability to be competent changes everything for everybody they play. Every time you get on the field, like people look at Iowa different because now if you're moving the football, guess who is rested? The defense, that's absolutely disgusting, right? So, um, and everybody's another, back. So, another plus piece is you got to look at the recruiting aspect of it. You know, if I'm a wide receiver and I get offered by Iowa, it's much less appealing to me, I would think, than an offense where I'm going to get the ball consistently. And yeah, I you know who doesn't come I'm, to Iowa? Kids that are offered by Iowa that have any other offers. Right. These kids are well, I mean, getting you, Mac if, offers. They're getting preferred walk on options. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's a at, fact. It's a simple fact. Look at like Caleb Brown. If you got, you get to look at that kid and look what he did last year. And recruits just have to be terrified. Transfers, recruits, like, like you name it. Hey, let's just, let's build it. It's all we can do. You build it and it only gets better because Barnes is a hell of a recruiting coordinator. If we could just build it a little bit, a kid can get some guys in the door. Building a 10-win team as a 10-win team is insane, by the way. Just yeah, so I, we're very I, clear. I, Building a 10-win team is insane. 
100 that's good that's good you're already i mean you're on third base so build from there um okay let's go to the next point dino babers hired as offensive coordinator at the university of arizona him and brennan cross pass way back in the year 2000 um at arizona as well so we uh what do we think about this the old syracuse guy headed down to some hot weather what do you what are we thinking on this well i think it's a guy that i mean he was a quote-unquote proven winner at Syracuse, if, if you want to say that. And to consistently win six or seven games there is, I mean, it's no easy task. Like, I think Bud Elliott says it best, you can't sell boosters on six or seven wins every year. So he kind of just right. ran himself out of the building. Um, but he got it done. I think it's just better to have more head coaching experience in that room with a guy in Brennan who's, I believe this is his first Power 5 job. So to get more heads in there, I, I don't think it can hurt. They have a connection. I know it was like two decades ago, but it's it's something. So I, I'm really I have pretty neutral about the hire. JP, what are we thinking? I agree. I agree. I am neutral. I, I just want to see this team now because this is not yeah. the same team. Not like how much different are we going to look offensively with this team? Because mm-hmm. you know, San Jose State wasn't world beaters on offense but they were solid like they had pieces in the ability to score points and win more games usually than they were predicted in preseason to uh in the mountain west and battle for a chance to play in that title game but now you're stepping into a beast with a quarterback already in place uh top 10 top five uh, top 10 receiver in the sport uh and mcmillan yeah, probably 10. yeah 10 five is a little aggressive i agree um but you also had a good defense last year, right? Like, let's just see how this changes uh, and what what comes of spring and what comes of uh, all these kids that are staying around because they got to build. And it's hard to build when you got a new coach and a new conference at the same time. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think it's weird now talking about Arizona with how good they were last year. And the plus plus for Babers here is you come in and you have Noah Fafita, who he's He's pretty good, man. I would put him above what you had at Syracuse with Garrett Schrader, no? Yeah, uh, agree. Yep. Yeah. I wouldn't even think about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you have the weapon back there, and we'll see how he develops and, and uses him in that offense. So it'll be interesting to follow. I hope Arizona stays a little bit relevant. Sorry, Jake. Um, but it's a program that I like to speak. We don't play him. Not my problem. Well, if you do, do you, you might e- not even do you get either one of the Arizona schools. No, we'll uh, it's a great segue. We'll get to that, won't we, Parks? Yeah, we sure will. And we're actually going to do it right now. The Big 12 schedule was released today for this coming year in 2024. I'll let Jake walk us through it as the Big 12 guy. A lot of big games on here and some that he may be traveling to. So, Jake, take it. Yeah, yeah you just basically highlighted the whole conference in every game. I hey, I looked at this. <laughs> if you're wondering if I work today, question is, no, not really. Uh, I was scrolling through Twitter, uh, just kind of checking out everybody's schedule. The first schedule. group of five schedule dropped. How can you get any work done? I feel <laughs> like uh, I feel bad that we didn't cover the ACC last week, though. I know that we're I'm a Big Twelve homer, but I think it's awesome when these schedule releases drop. I know we talked about the SEC a little bit, but like it's it's January thirtieth. I have my brother and like my buddies texting me, "What do you think about this game?" Or maybe we should go to this game. And just like, holy shit, it's it's January thirtieth. I mean, you you can't even book a hotel barely that far away. But yeah, I there's a lot of things that stick out to my mind. It's a really weird schedule. Um, and let's honestly just start it with that because there are some quote unquote conference matchups that are not conference games. Baylor and Utah, Baylor versus Utah in week two, Arizona versus Kansas State. They go to Manhattan in week three. Both of those games are played in September and are not 
considered conference games. So keep that in note. I sent that to you guys today, and I was mm. looking at Kansas State's schedule, and I was like, why do I only see two non-Big 12 teams on the schedule? Um, the Baylor and Utah game was a home-and-home home that they played Utah last year. If you remember, they played them in Waco. And then I'm assuming the Kansas State-Arizona game was – this was something set up way before that this happened. So that's really my only guess. I But – Two, I mean, I don't know what you guys think. Those are two interesting matchups. I mean, you I kind of think could, in uh, September. You could sit in a spot where these teams are sitting Arizona and Kansas State, that being are sitting three, four in Big 12 standings late in the year. Yeah. They played in September and nobody can use it as right to play That's a team above the other. I was going to say, you get two top five teams there. That would have huge implications if it, if it actually mattered. But the first one, they get things kind of rolling early. Uh, UCF travels to Fort Worth. They play TCU on September 14th. Another thing I noticed, and I'm sure you guys did too, the five Saturdays in November schedule really just effed with my mind between Thanksgiving and there's so many games in, in November. That was weird, but they do start early, UCF and TCU. The one that I think I'm most excited for, I'll ask you guys what you're most excited for when you look at it, BYU at Utah. I mean, to get the holy war back i mean it's it's no red river rivalry by any means but i'm pretty excited to have this game back what what game do you think gets you guys most excited when you look at the schedule if why you have one yeah uh i think when you're looking at like just crossover of new versus old if we're doing that part of the big mm-hmm. 12 teams right uh you just got to look at teams that have higher expectations for the next year so iowa state at utah is a little bit different for me because um you go into Rice Eccles not knowing what to expect, you're going to find out, right? Like, and you got a little taste yep. of it at BYU because that's a good atmosphere too, right? Uh, but people in Salt Lake City, they don't drink much, but they they, they get rowdy. They get rowdy <laughs> in the Rice Eccles. So, uh, and it's a beautiful stadium. I got a chance to visit it this fall, actually. A lot bigger than it seems on TV. It's a lot nicer. Uh, and they do a really good job of promoting those games and getting people in the building. And when you bring back Cam Rising and you have conference title expectations i mean i think that's fair to say for them mm-hmm. right like they're going to yep. be in the top three of your betting odds and i would say it's going to be in the top four to five in the same category but these two teams are going to have to play late in the year like it, this could be everything at that point no it reminds me of uh purdy senior year when they matched up if you guys remember when they matched up oklahoma and iowa state and obviously iowa state choked it away and it didn't mean anything by the end of the year but that was a big noon kickoff uh and mm-hmm. they were figuring that those were going to be the top two teams so that matchup kind of says something to me that they think those two teams are gonna at least have a shot at least is, to, to make dallas is he is the big 12 still espn like who has those games now like because espn um, has the sec cds yeah, has it, the big 10 i believe is it it's fox the fox eat any of that up or they get a partial of it because this is, it just seems like that on me that's not one i would want to kick off at noon if i'm being I, honest i'm pretty sure it's just espn because I would kick that off the Big Ten, but but yeah, that that could change. Parks, do you got in it the most interesting one or one that caught your eye? Yeah, I just think looking back, Jake, we can admit it, right? We both loved the old Big Twelve. I'm yeah, sure yep. with yep. Iowa compete, Iowa State competing more now towards the top of the conference that it's okay for you. But I st- I do like seeing Colorado going to play Nebraska. That's not a conference one, but like Texas Tech and Kansas being back in the in-conference schedule, that's fun for me to go back and imagine those days. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing that, that team back in the mix of the Big 12. Yeah, and they still – I think 
another interesting one. They host Oklahoma State at the end of the year. Oklahoma State's another team with Ollie Gordon back that that could be could be interesting to see. And I think they play Kansas State. Another one that they added to rivalry weekend. They do have and which what rivalry? What do they call this one? This isn't the Sunflower. Sh- no, that's the Kansas. That's Kansas, Kansas State. What's Sunflower State? There you go. Yeah. What's which Arizona? Arizona State. The duel in the desert. Correct. Yeah. Okay. The duel I in believe the that's just an overarching rivalry thing, not just the football one. I think they call it the duel in the desert. They're taking that one. They're putting that on November 30th on rivalry weekend. Uh, the last thing that really caught my eye was this is kind of some news. Kansas basically officially announced they're not going to be playing in David Booth's Memorial Stadium this year. There was talks and rumors that they might go to Arrowhead. Uh, they didn't really know. Maybe they'll get to their new stadium at the end of the year when it's done. They said, scratch it. It's It looks like a giant project. I mean, if you guys look it up on the internet, mm-hmm. they just crushed the entire stadium. It was well, a you got look at Vanderbilt last year. You guys remember how embarrassing that was like week one when they had that scoreboard hanging from a crane week one. Like, it was all year. Yeah, that's true. Well, <laughs> Vanderbilt, they're, they're ready for baseball seasons right around the corner. Then they saw that they're like, we're not doing that. So they're playing the first three home games in sporting KC's arena, uh, stadium. I think they got like TCU and two small schools. And then they play, I think it's Iowa state. Colorado and maybe Utah, they're going to play in Arrowhead Stadium. I'm interested to see what the attendance like is for those games. Can they sell out the Colorado game like a full NFL stadium? Well, if Chiefs, if Chiefs fans mm-hmm. are dumb enough, which I believe they are, screw them. Uh, that they'll show up know. thinking it's a Chiefs game. But what? They'll show up thinking it's a Chiefs. How many does that hold? How many does Arrowhead hold? Because I don't know off the top of my head. Somebody said, yeah, I heard seventy. So maybe. Somebody- Somebody said the Iowa – I mean, Iowa State travels well for the Big 12 tournament for basketball. The Iowa State game, I think, could – I would not be surprised if 20,000 – How late in the year is it, Jake? There. It's in um, the first weekend or second weekend of November. So it's not going to be – I mean, it could be cold, but not like – Yeah, freezing. it depends. That I think that's the biggest key there. Uh, we are dealing with 50-degree weather in February right now, so – you have absolutely no idea what you're but going But you guys remember yeah. Halloween this past year in the Midwest was like a freeze warning. It was like 10 degrees outside. Yeah, it was <laughs> disgusting. You know, Anyways, <laughs> no more weather chat. Yeah, so that was the Big 12 <laughs> schedule. I thought there was a ton of things. It's just, again, it's just so weird to see Arizona, Arizona State on Iowa State schedule. Or just even ever, like Colorado, Kansas, and Kansas State are all in the same conference. So definitely still has your mind going into the season. So I thought we had to mention it. 100%. Okay, that's fun because the Big 12 is brand new looking this year. I'm sure we will get to all the conferences and our previews in this coming August. It'll be so interesting to talk about a Power 4 conference schedule rather than a Power 5. Everything is so different, but it'll be fun to dive into when it's that time. Let's go to one of the main points of this episode, and that is the top five transfer portal teams. We have the graphics up and ready to go. Obviously, Reese is still gone right now. Um, so I don't know who will be going first. Looks like me again. Uh, yeah, my list is probably what you thought from the last couple of weeks. I let it off with Ohio State. I love the moves that they've made. I, I mean, you fill the quarterback void in the hatred that all those fans had for Kyle McCord. You get the running back, probably the best running back that was in the transfer portal, according to me, Quinshawn Junkins from Ole Miss maybe one of the better running backs in the SEC or the best running back in the SEC overall. And then right behind him, I have Ole Miss, who Judkins left from. So I I think that they've made the correct moves. They've filled a lot of gaps that they've needed to. 
And we've been high on them all offseason so far with the, the portal additions that they've made. So I think one and two are, were pretty common between most of our list. If you notice, I did not have Texas on here, which I rethought everything after I submitted this, but I rolled with it. I think Texas would be at six at the very, very lowest. Um, but Florida State, they got a ton of SEC dudes. I didn't even realize it. And it's not massive names, four or five-star guys. It's like 23 three-star guys. Um, but I really like what Norvell does over there. And I think he can develop those guys into elite athletes in the ACC. And then Oregon, I've been high on them all offseason so far. I think, you know, you get Dylan Gabriel with the utmost experience. And then you retained a lot of that back-end pressure with Bucky Irving. Stan, Stan, and they lost uh, Deontay Dowell to Nebraska. That's why I knew that. But I, I like Dan Lanning's team. I think he's going to get the right guys. And he doesn't need much to, to keep Oregon at the top with what they retained. I mean, you got the quarterback taken care of with the experience part, but I like Oregon in that four spot. And then Louisville. Louisville, a team that you haven't really heard a ton on, but Jeff Brom kind of took the same approach that Florida State did, and he went out and got 20 guys. He Granted, he lost like 15 to 17, but none of them were super big impact guys, but I really liked Louisville's class. I thought, you know, it's not as much to me – and about your high school four-star, five-star rankings or maybe what on three says that they're worth. But Jeff Brom, you know he's going to he's gonna be a guy that's going to get the most out of what he gets in there. And with that many new athletes that have experience at the Power 5 level, which they're going to have, I, I see Louisville and Florida State repeating in the ACC title as of right now next year. And it's going to be a dogfight because both of these teams got so much talent in the offseason that I'm, I'm super excited to watch. So... I like my list. I think Ohio State's dominated so far. I mean, Caleb Downs, Will Howard, you name it. They've gotten all the pieces, but they may be an answer to our question tonight as well. So that would be my list. I don't know what you guys take away from it. Am I an idiot? I, I know I, I want to add Louisville. But. I think everybody does it a little different how they look at these classes, right? So, like, I don't have Louisville in mind, but I can see why you did. Like, if that makes yeah. sense. Like, it's mm -hmm. how you look at these commits and – what they're rated and what player rating they have and maybe what you really need to be a better team within the next year. So like it's all, it's pure opinion based. Like I don't see, like if we're talking like maybe later when we do the last 10 national champions, then there's some arguments there, but like here, this is, this one's a lot more. What do you think it's really going to change within the next year? Depending on yeah, who I, they brought in. A, a big part of mine was what do I think the coaches can do with the players that they're getting? Maybe it's not quantity, it's quality mm -hmm. for them, but a lot of these were quantity and quality, and I trust the development of all five of these coaches on this list. So that was a big point for me, but that's my list. Jake, you Let's think – uh, Okay, Jake, go ahead, you Jake. think that uh, – you think Louisville's high or no? Like, he's, I don't think – I don't know if you have him on there either. No, I, I don't. I, I think it's just the way Jeff Brom kind of operates at this point. It's kind of a, a lot of guys coming in, a lot of guys coming out, but I, I trust him with the talent that he does bring in. I, I think there is some substance there. I don't think he just brings in guys to fill spots on the roster. I think he's going to be intentional about it, but yeah, I think he's more so just trying to retain relevancy and, and get a roster that's good enough to win still seven or eight games consistently in the ACC. Jake, take us through your list. It's up there. Yeah. I had to, I had to make this a little interesting and it's too bad Reese is gone. Cause I had to throw his cue some love. I, there's a couple of different things I put into this. Uh, number one was 
pieces that they added, not just a bunch of guys and what their player rating is because it doesn't really make sense. That was really the number one reason I did. But also some of the quantity stuff where they're actually ranked in 24-7 and stuff like that. But let's start with Syracuse. I got Syracuse because you bring in Fran Brown, who brings in, I'm counting, three or four uh, guys from the SEC. There's a guy from Texas A&M. There's two receivers he's taken from Georgia with him. Um, and then another guy from Alabama playing on the defensive line. I think he's got an eye for talent. At least there's no way that an SEC guy can be a lower level ACC player. I'm going to trust that they're going to have some talent on that roster. And then they hit the home runs with Fidel Diggs and Kyle McCord. I think those were two slam dunks for them. Diggs is a really nice defensive line piece from Texas A&M. And Kyle McCord, obviously everybody knows about him. So I think this is going to be a different team than your Sean Tucker ground and pound game from Syracuse as of late. I think this team's going to have the ability to throw it around the yard. So Texas, speaking of teams that can throw it around the yard, uh, their entire receiver room left, which was probably the best piece of their entire team last year, maybe outside of the defensive line. And they said, you know what? We can uh, one-up you. We'll bring in Isaiah Bond, Matthew Golden. We'll bring in Stevens from Oregon State. And then we'll replace JT Sanders with Amari Nyblack from Alabama to put the cherry on top. Just absolutely insane on top of that i think they got a defensive lineman from uh houston that i think is going to be a good piece for them to replace sweat they didn't bring in a ton like six or seven guys but holy hell like you're plugging and playing these dudes as soon as they step foot on campus to be honest with you oregon kind of the same thing i mean they added two of the best quarterbacks in the portal <laughs> I, I we we can get into that conversation at a later date but i don't think dylan gabriel is guaranteed to be the starter over dante moore come week one next next year but i mean it's probably nice to have a five-year starter and a former force or former five-star right it, it <laughs> I is but so. i i i think it is his job i if he's bouncing away he did i i think it's gabriel's job i i would agree i'm sure he gets the upper hand just from an experience standpoint too they picked up jabbar muhammad that was something we didn't touch on uh from last week since we've last spoken that was huge the number one cornerback in the portal not talking safety we'll get to that and then they added evan stewart the number one receiver i believe in the portal this is a guy that not only was a former five star but he was an all sec guy when he was at AM. absolute stud this is what they need for oregon next year uh to take that receiving room to one of the best in the entire country ohio state i mean let me list you three names. Quinchon Judkins, Caleb Downs, and Will Howard. Now, Will Howard's not as big of a name, but grand Three names. I mean, <laughs> Third I, one. <laughs> Caleb, Caleb Downs, you got your quarterback for next year. You just added arguably the best transfer portal addition from this era so far in its short stint. And then you added the number one running back, literally SEC freshman of the year, guy who – is probably still a top five running back going into next year. I don't even think that's a question. And JP, I'm interested to see yours. Ole Miss is still number one for me. You get Chris Paul Jr., Walter Nolan, Tyler Barron, DeCameron Richardson. Those are four starters at the SEC level to fill in your defense next year, something that desperately is needed in Oxford. I, I mean, this is a defense that should be good enough talent-wise to take Ole Miss to the next step. They put all their chips in. Something I also didn't mention, Syracuse kind of did put their chips in their own pot too. Their schedule, if you look at it, very winnable. It looks like a Jeff Brom, Louisville first-year situation to me where you think that team might have a shot to win 10 games. So that's what I got. 
Yeah, I mean, good list. It, it's it's a toss up, man. Ole Miss and Ohio State. That's that's a fair toss up at the top. I mean, I it was Ole Miss running away with it the first couple of weeks, and then Ohio State rolls in with these players that they've gotten over the last month. Caleb and, Downs. I'll admit it right now. Like Caleb Downs could be the only guy that they brought in the portal, and I'd probably put any team that brought him in at number one. So like I, th- I think I think that highly of him. He's he's a Fair top enough. ten pick, an automatic top ten pick. All right, JP, yours is up there. Take us through it. Yeah, mine is not based on quantity as much as it is quality, right? Like I think I took the average player grade more heavily than I did the amount of guys taken, and then I looked at like how much does this fix you for next year? Like, it's not just filling holes. I mean, it's like, we're, we're just filling cracks here. Like we, we just need a couple things to really get us um, into a national championship level conversation. So I start off with Ohio state, right? Like six total commits and 94 average player grade. That's crazy, right? Like it, that's 94 player grade in the portal is high. Uh, yeah. For those who don't seen, know, it, it takes like Colorado had like 23 guys and had a player rating of like a hundred. Yeah. So it, just to put that in perspective. It's just, it's different, right? Like these guys that are coming here are instant impact guys. So just again, two game names like Caleb Downs and Quinshawn Jenkins completely change how you look at Ohio state. Like you already have a really good defense and a good and a solid offense. Now you bring in guys who have the ability to really help you take the next step. So Ohio State, all chips on table for a national title in 24. Texas, I have it too. Uh, eight total commits and 92 overall player grading. Uh, there's just too much going on. You bring back your quarterback. You just need to get him some weapons. So they did that in a massive way, right? Defensively, they brought in pieces that are going to help them again, uh, really fight for an SEC title and a chance to be probably in that top four for a, a buy within the playoff. Um but they don't need a billion spots. Like they're not Ole Miss where they need to grab 20 guys to completely fill this out. These are proven commodities that just help teams win. Right. So that's why I have Ole Miss a little lower is like some of them are proven commodities. I don't know if bringing that many in really helps you that much. Like we got to see that pan out. Uh, you watch like these kids are a lot more talented than what Colorado brought in the last year. Um, but they're also going to play in the SEC. So we're, it's going to be a little bit different for them. Oregon, I have it three, 11 total commits, 90.45, 11 commits. This is the first double digit one that got over the 90 grade. I mean, that should tell you everything you need to know about that class, right? Uh, you bring in a very solid quarterback. He's not going to, you know, lose games for you. You get him the best weapon in the portal possible. They're going to be good again. They have a good run game. They're going to be another stout team on defense with a chance to win the Big Ten. I mean, point blank and honest with you like just quick and easy with that one Ole Miss 17 total commits on this one just shy of 90 with an 89.53 on their player grade rating for this I just want to see it before I put them in the top three right like I just want to see how this really goes um and maybe I'm holding it a little bit differently because they brought in so many and so I'm a little more hesitant because that's a hell of a grade to give a 17 player class, like just about 90 there uh, is a big deal. So, but I just want to see that, right? Like I need to see these uh, positions really get filled with kids who can make an impact for them. Florida state at five, 15 total commits, 89.67. You needed a quarterback and you went and got a guy who has gotten better in his time. He had a good year at Oregon state. DJU comes into Tallahassee. Now he's doing offense. Uh, Norvell's going to win games with guys, Right. Like they had, they hit in the portal last year. You go get Jaheim Bell. Perfect. Right. Like there's, it just goes on a, a list of all these guys that really helped in Tallahassee last year. And, you know, away from 
a catastrophic injury to somebody, Mr. Jordan Travis, I think they're playing for um, in a semifinal. I I don't know if they're playing for a national title necessarily, but they're at least in that conversation. And you're kind of looking um, probably at Texas not being in that playoff last year. I mean, there's an argument they weren't going to leave Alabama out of that thing. But it, it is interesting to look at this and see what Florida State's done again with Norvell and all the stuff going on around that program and the ACC just – it's it's crazy to me to think that they have to play that schedule again and they might have just worked themselves into a auto four buy here. So that's my five. And I, I can move some of these around. I could hear Syracuse. I could hear Louisville. Uh, I could hear Ole Miss higher. But this is what I thought. I thought we just needed we hit exactly our top three hit exactly what they needed to be better next year immediately. JP, I will say the first thing I thought when I saw this list earlier today is your four, your one through four, if that would be the least shocking to me out of all of these lists, if this was the top four seeds in the college football playoff. I was going to say that. So, portal, but like, I could see that. What's what's the one team we're missing out of all this that could be a top five team going into next Georgia. year? Yeah. The team that didn't really need anybody but could make a huge move on a piece or two in, in the spring window. Yeah, yeah I, I, mean, I feel... People want to leave Georgia out of these preseason talks because they're just doing what they do, to be honest. But, I mean, that's going to be – they're going to be the team to beat again. Like, it's going to be a lot for Ole Miss to go in and beat that team next year. But it's going to be a dogfight, and it will be fun. Um, But those were good. If Reese jumps in, we'll let him do his late. But for now, we're going to wait on ranking the past 10 national champions against each other. Uh, Let's go to our question of the week. This is a fun one because I think we might have a crossover answer here. I think mine is not that outside of the box, but which team in college football has the most pressure on it going into the 2024 season? And this is as of the right now, perspective wise, right now, as we sit January 30th, or if you're listening on Apple podcast or Spotify, February 1st, which team do you feel like has the most pressure on it right now? JP. Do we all have the same one? I feel like we do. But right, should maybe we on three, wrong. one, does it, does two, it... three, Ohio, Ohio State. Ohio State. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think that's fair. And I don't think anybody outside of Columbus would tell you anything different, right? Like you put all the chips in, um, in the middle and you're betting everything right now that you go get a national title. Uh, so pressure mounts when you don't beat your rival three years in a row. You don't go to a big twin, big 10 title. Uh, you're bringing in Oregon. Uh, who's a problem, by the way, USC, UCLA, Washington might be a step or two behind him. Um, but I, I, there's just too many pieces on campus now. There's too much there mm-hmm. for it to make sense, too much money invested, uh, too greedy of a fan base, to be completely honest with you, to not hit this goal. So there's a ton of pressure on a team that hasn't even been assembled. They probably had right. five team meetings. They haven't even had a yeah. spring practice yet. And we're looking at them like, hey, make a break right here. By the way, you'd have to beat Georgia and through this whole thing, yeah. probably, which is not an easy task, right? Like, so when I look at Ohio State prepared to, I wrote two other teams down on here. Yeah, I'm interested to hear the other two because I have. But I'm one. saying, like, the difference between the other two, right, is they don't have the same crazy expectations. There's pressure in a different way. This is expectations at the highest level for them. So that's why I had that. Um, other two I had on here, I had Iowa at, at number two. I think there's a ton of pressure on that team. Yep. Uh, not necessarily because of the players, 
it's more so keeping keeping people this is, I don't know how to say this correctly because it, not keeping people invested because I do think it's a fan base who's invested no matter what, but it is a fan base who will get a little too rowdy and too obnoxious for their own good if it doesn't get better quick, right? And then at the same time, if it doesn't get better this year, you're diving into a Big Ten schedule that just gets harder and harder to hit the goals that you want to hit. So, like, if you're going to lose fan interest, this is not the time for the program to take a little bit of downspin. Like, it's time to take a step up and solidify yourselves for the top, top six, seven program in the conference. And if they don't, things are going to get ugly. So I had them on there. Um, and then Notre Dame, I had number three. Notre Dame, there's no reason you should not be in a 12-team playoff every year if you're going to play independent stuff and play an ACC schedule. But it is a little bit pressure-wise because you go to A&M, you play Louisville, Florida State, and then you go to USC. So those none of those are gimmies, but you have to have them all because you can't lose two games as an independent nowadays. I don't think, at least. I think a 9-3 and SEC Big Ten team is getting over a 10-2 Notre Dame. So I think there's pressure on them, and Freeman is – done everything i think he's done everything right to make them better in the offseason but there's still a ton of pressure on them because nobody wants to everybody wants to rake notre dame high to start the year they're never quite ex, up to those expectations even if they are people look down upon them so those are the three i wrote down i would argue, I, I would go ahead you can argue his first jake i wasn't going to argue that but i was going to switch the perspective of not necessarily a team that doesn't even have playoff expectations but a team that might just have to show it wouldn't Colorado be in this conversation I know it's it might be too early but in year two I mean I don't know man. obviously I, I think I think what kind of pressure is it though floor, is it just pressure because people want to see you lose I think Colorado you gotta you gotta win six games and then right at least six I, I would don't know. think I don't know how so. long I, the leash is. I feel like he's got the longest leash out of anybody. I don't know. He just got a new mansion. I think he's settled in there for a, a while, but they're okay with the media attention. I really don't know if they – the fans may say different. Like they don't, But at the head, I don't think they give a shit. I mean, they got big noon kickoff back-to-back weeks last year, and college game day almost they got them once like it's they're getting the attention they wanted the move is working exactly the way they wanted it to and if he doesn't become a winning coach for three more years they're he's not going anywhere like they're not going to make a change who's going to go there and take his spot what about uh what justin said usc or in oklahoma i think that's that's kind of interesting i usc is seems to me like the least talked about uh i don't i don't know if you say blue blood but like pop popular team in college football and it just doesn't seem like there's just not a lot of buzz around Lincoln Riley and, and SC this year as of right Prove now. Us wrong. Prove us wrong. Like and, you say everything's changing. Caleb Williams. So that that's a good I think USC could be on there. Oklahoma, I think there's more pressure on Brent Venables than there is the yeah, team. It's 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 more yeah definitely Venables. That's that's where I was gonna go with that. Yeah, like I, I think they're – I had them down as a sleeper to win the SEC next year. I think that they're going to have a lot of talent, just whether or not they avoid the hangover games that it seems that they've gotten bit by the last few years. But I like Oklahoma on that list. But I had Ohio State, and mine's similar to the reason maybe I just listed for Oklahoma. But Ryan Day, you want to talk about a coach with pressure. How about a coach that wins 11 to 12 games every single year and is fighting for his job this year? 
I mean, there's yep. not many programs mm-hmm. out there that can say that. Any other coach that won 11 games last year is not fighting for his job this year, except for Ryan Day. So that's just kind of where we're at with with that program. To bounce off JP's Notre Dame argument, I thought that actually was a good one and one that I didn't necessarily think of. Uh, after week one, the schedule is kind of set in their favor. At Texas A&M that you could argue they should be the better team in that anyways. Northern Illinois at Purdue, Miami of Ohio at home, Louisville at home, Stanford at home, at Georgia Tech, Navy. That's I think I just listed, listed off seven straight games that I don't even think really should be a question. Maybe Louisville at home, depending on how they turn out this year. Florida State at home, Virginia at home, at USC to end the year. Wait, 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 Jay. I mean, we, we can't take those MAC teams lightly, remember? So I heard that <laughs> Miami of Ohio in there. Too early in the... Too early in the winter to be bringing that up again. Sorry. Too early. Sorry. I think I look at that schedule, though, and I don't like outside of week one. I'm not sure if Notre Dame's not favored in every single game next year. That's a fair point to make. If they're favored at Kyle Field, it's going to be like two. That's what I said. I said after after the Texas A&M game, there's no reason they probably shouldn't be favored in in every game the rest of the way. Mm hmm. That's I don't fair. think we're far off. All right. They I get, think that's a good they, list of teams. Yeah. I was going to say they just get they get Louisville and Florida State like spaced out. Like remember last year they had like Duke, Ohio State, Louisville, all road games. Like, yeah, that is not great. That sucked. <laughs> Nobody's going to like run <laughs> that through that without dumb. scars. And they uh they took a they took a beating Ooh. down there at Louisville. They sure I did. Say, all right. I don't Jay, that's a good point too. Miami does have a ton of pressure. That's another coaching change in the making, especially for where they're at in recruiting rankings. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're high on everything. And granted, it's Miami. It's a very appealing hey man, we spot brought in for the, a collegiate kid to go, but we brought in a quarterback now. Like, there's no excuses, right? Yep. Th- that's what everybody's thinking, but like they still got to get better defensively. They gotta kids gotta get older in that program. Because he's still like I feel like Chris Wall's still trying to build it. It doesn't feel like there's a lot of principles of that program that are quite in place yet at least for me at least not the way you want it to be but um yeah like acc is going to stay down like miami it's not going to get any, easy, any easier to be better so absolutely not but that's a good list of teams including the ones from the comments shout out jt let's go to probably the most controversial clips that we'll ever make on this podcast and people are not going to be happy about it but we are going to rank the past 10 national champions of college football against each other there's going to be a ton of different factors. All of these lists were significantly different from when I made these graphics earlier today. And I am excited to hear from anybody in the comments that says something different because they're a lot different list to list. So let's start with Jake. Um, there they are in front of you, Jake. You have the floor to make your case. There is one crossover. One of these I am not sure about, or two of these. Well, to, sorry. to my to my defense, uh, bad job on me. I didn't. Put a ton of research into it. Didn't put a lot of thought into it. First of all, yeah, that's I'll, that's, I'll, t- I'll let you come take on. it. JP, there, everybody your, just what, turning this off. What's your gripe with me? What's your uh, what's your one Georgia, gripe with me? Twenty twenty one and Georgia at eight is wrong. Straight up. Mm. Uh, mm. Okay, it is. Uh, that that twenty sixteen <laughs> Clemson team was not bad, but they also played every game within seven points in the ACC I, year. Yeah, much. I know. Um, I could probably. I, I personally thought the 2021 Georgia team was better than the 22 team. 
But I just, from it's recent so, memory, it's so close. It really seemed like 2022. They kind of just walloped everybody from on the top of my head, and I'd have to go back and look. They uh, did. That There's was, a lot of similarities between the 21 team. Personnel. That was my my first four. Like when I look at those four teams, and you could flip flop some yeah, of people them. Forget about that 18 Clemson team, man. All four of those teams I just put on my top four literally walloped everybody. Clemson won the national title against Alabama that year by like, what was it, 30 or something yeah, like that? It wasn't close. It wasn't close. So that's my my factor. My first one was who's undefeated, who pretty much just cakewalked cake walk through their entire schedule. And then one and two, I feel like we go back and forth all the time on those two teams, like who was the most talented. You, and I'm basing it off of NFL talent right now because – it's just in recent memory. You have, you know, Chase, Burrow, Jefferson on that Alabama team. You have Smith, uh, Mac Jones, and, you know, those other receivers that I'm for some reason forgetting. Najee Harris, just to name a few. Z- maybe a little recency bias on Michigan at six. Maybe we look into that a couple of years from now. You, I don't necessarily think you have them too high. I just think what's behind them is, I don't know. I, I can see the 2017. In 2022, Georgia Alabama's flipping and Michigan move up a little bit. I don't know. That's where I see it. I think the 21 team for Georgia was better than the 22 team. I think Clemson and 16 was a little lower. I don't know. I'll see on mine, but I think we had the same one, two, and the same 10. No, we don't have the same 10. Sorry. Maybe college football wasn't as. Because I know that that Alabama team that beat Georgia in twenty one was was really good, but I don't know. Undefeated is kind of my was my priority. Fair enough. So. It's hard to to think back that all the way in twenty fourteen, Ohio State's only on this list once. I imagine we'll go to my list next, which has significant differences that I don't think people will be too happy with. But I have my reasons, and I'm ready to go. Um, I think everybody had 2019 LSU. That's going to be a collective yes from the crowd as well. This, um, is, this is clickbait, by the way. This is not clickbait. <laughs> I truly <laughs> believe this to my core. Okay. The 2020 Alabama <laughs> team at dead last? Yeah, Both sorry. I'm, I'm not giving a team that has a season full of opt-outs where everybody else played seven games and they get a full schedule. Okay. I mean, It's kind of fair, but they did light the world on fire. They did light the world on fire, but half the season nobody was playing. We had teams. They opt were winning out, the night. They were going thirteen and zero. If if they played every game, it doesn't even matter. They were going thirteen and zero. If there was no the SEC is the only one that played like a realistic football schedule that year. So I can't say that they're. You know, you go through so many different things when you're playing a full schedule, and that's team wise. You find out so many more like their non cons and things like that all got screwed up. So. I can't put them up there. That was my reasoning behind it. it. Just it was like a, it's like any 2020 champion, like in the NHL, the bubble champion. You kind of kind of put an asterisk next to it because there's no fandom there. Yeah, the Blackhawks made the playoff that year, so let's not take too much. <laughs> Sorry, LeBron fans, doesn't count. Yeah, <laughs> the Disney bubble, the Disney ring. The NBA really messed it up with all that Zoom in the background, like that was doing anything. Hey, <laughs> Reese is in here. Uh, Reese, just in time to uh, chop it up with at my list here. Hey. But I put 2017 Alabama at two. Dude, I think people are underrating how good that football team was. That's a team with Jalen Hurts. Uh, Tua was on that team as well. And you got Devontae Smith. Like that team was loaded and they beat an incredibly good Georgia team in the national title. 
Um, Jake Fromm, all one of the best quarterbacks in Georgia football history. Listen to the backfield that Georgia had that year that that 2017 Alabama team beat. Stoney Michelle, DeAndre Swift, and Nick Chubb. Yeah, that they were disgusting. Alabama team in 17 was loaded to beat that team. So I, I have, I think that's one of the best college football teams of all time. 2023, that is definitely a recency bias, but with the it jump that defense made, no. With the, do you know how good that be. defense was? It's the number one I, defense I, in the country for good reason. Are we gonna are we gonna look back in ten years? That eight the way that uh eighteen Clemson defense might have been better too. It's close. Are we gonna look back in ten years at that Michigan offense? And are we gonna be able to is it gonna be like a quiz? Like we're sitting in the basement drinking beers and you're like, name me three starters on that Michigan offense that won the title in twenty three. Do you think we could do it? I think we yeah. could. A lot of people will. Yeah. I at least feel like two, I'm gonna forget. Dude, oh, yeah, Roman Wilson is teeing up the senior bowl right now, too. Like, that guy's <laughs> He's going to be a household name on Sundays, too. He's a beast. Like, you're um, telling me. Done. What the hell? I went through like, three of my up. list. Yeah. What the I don't know how man? far you were going down like it. Three. No, I got my reasons here. I have a very <laughs> questionable list considered to everybody else's. Like, 2017 Bama was like seven through 10 on everybody else's list. Um, 2020 Bama, I said. Short season, plus they gave up 20 points per game. It's one of the highest out of all the teams on this list. And then uh, young Jordan Davis in 21, who didn't really make that big of an impact for that Georgia team. That's why I put the 22 team ahead of him. It was really a lot of the same personnel. So I think Georgia was just an overall better and more experienced team in 22, but they were both dominant forces in college football. The 2018 Clemson team, damn right, JP. Not enough people put respect on that name. That team was loaded. Trevor Lawrence barely lost in college ever. ETN, that team was stacked, and those are obviously household names on Sundays. 2014, you guys are forgetting how good that Ohio State team was. That was too long ago for maybe people to remember. That was the Cardale Jones show after JT Barrett went down. And I think a name yeah, that's lost Elliott. in the sauce now. Ezekiel Elliott, Curtis Samuel on the outside, household also- Sunday name now. Like that team was loaded too, and they were they were really good. I thought like Jake. quarterbacks were in my my argument too, and I was like, well, Cardale Jones and, and JT Barrett that that didn't really pan out like we thought it was going to. It didn't, but the fact that Cardale Jones did what he did in the situation oh, man, that that team was in was incredible. And then 2016, um, Deshaun Watson he may not be a good human, but that team was stacked as well. How, here's a name I'll throw out on the defensive side of the ball for that. Ben Bolumare, Bolumare, however you want to say it, that guy was a monster on that team. You guys remember that that player? Yeah, he uh, he's the one that got a tattoo of the national title trophy on his Achilles because they said that linebacking core was the Achilles heel of that Clemson team. Look it up. Yeah, that's a fun fact. Look it up. I like yeah. that. That's a fun fact. And then uh, 2015 Alabama. I I don't know, man. I 2015 Alabama. I just nothing jumped off the page at me for them. Jake Coker at quarterback. Like there's so many better and bigger names on this list that I think those teams were overall better. So that's my list. And now I'm done breaking it down, but I had a lot of discrepancies to most. And I think Michigan is where they should be on that list. That defense was elite, but a lot of those defenses I noticed were number one overall in the country for almost all those teams that were at the top of that list for everybody. So defense wins championships and that stands to be true. Um, all right, JP, take us through yours. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be pretty quick with mine. We're running kind of long here. Uh, but LSU Alabama, I think, is copy paste here for most situations, other than what Parks had on his. I think again, I think that 21 team was better for Georgia than the 22 team. That's pure opinion based. 
Uh, I think you could flip them into like put that 21 team and 22 and that 22 team and 21. They both win national titles. Um, 18 Clemson. Again, I think that team was very good. That team was blowing everybody out of the water, a better defense than you remember. One of the better quarterbacks outside of, I'd put, honestly, I'd put Lawrence at two and quarterbacks on this list period uh, right behind Joe I'd Burrow. Put him at one. I'm putting him at one. He was the best college quarterback on this list. He was it, incredible. But if we're taking one year from these guys, nobody's okay, taking one year. But yeah, well, that's what we're doing here, Jake. Right, last yeah, 10 yeah, national yeah, champions, right, not right, last 10 right. careers. Hey, okay. Got him. That's all I'm saying. Uh, 17, 17 Alabama, I do think was a very stout team. That was your classic Saban team that just knew how to win football games, right? Like they went through a lot of adversity on the quarterback side. Parks touched on. Uh, and they were good defensively again. It, that's just a team. That's to me, that is just a, the Alabama team. If you're going to look at saving teams throughout the years, that 17 team is uh, 100% on there. 23, Michigan, I think they're good. But if you take them offensively against some of these other teams, I think I just don't think they are as talented. It'd be a lot tougher for them to go up against some of those defenses on the list. 14, Ohio State, I have up there pretty high. Uh, even as a four seed, like they were. Uh, that was a really talented team that had a slip up early in the year against Virginia tech. If you guys can remember, um, but it was the, you know, the kind of the birth of like the college football playoff and what everybody thought parody was just kidding. That's a brand name and a blue blood that won a national title that year. Everybody happy. We had the 14 playoff change everything for us uh, in 2015, this Alabama team again, solid, but not world beaters by any means it, on this scale, on this scale, they were very good. They were world beaters that year, but compared to the rest of the scale here, and then 16 LSU or LSU, 16 Clemson, sorry. Close. Uh, that's a team, both tigers, both tigers. Um, that's a team that just, they scraped by most of the year. Right. And then they won the big ones when they needed to uh, it was a ton of fun to watch that team. And everybody was rooting for them that year. But it was a team that got in a lot of dogfights throughout the year. So, uh, and again, it's not recency bias for the ACC. This is a good, the ACC was a lot tougher back then uh, in some spots. So that's my 10. I don't know if you guys have any one that you want to nitpick on that, but I think that's. I don't be. have any gripes with this list. At eight, is that the Ohio State year where I'm trying to think, was that the JT Barrett year where he like got folded against Michigan and it didn't look like he got it on that fourth down? Like that team, did they scrape their way into that? That title? was no, that was that, that was, was 16. Late. That was, that was just 16 that that happened. And I swear to you, he got that first down. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I, I, really did. I do think he did. I thought he I got thought it. He was sure when he, live, when he I remember turned. watching. I go, oh, I'm pretty sure he got that. But yeah, that's that's not the same team. But it is that was the difference between Ohio State and Michigan getting in the playoff that year. So, um, that's my 10 here. Reese, we'll pull yours up here. What do you think? Give it a little rip here, just put you into the fire. Give a little right rip. Away. Give it a little rip. Yeah. Um, um I, go ahead. Pull it up for me. I'm waiting. No, it, it, it takes it show me the money. Right? What do you think? This show me coming the money. in hostile. Coming in hostile. Here we go. Here we go. Um, yeah, I think we do. Did everybody have LSU as the number one? Uh, yes. no. Yes. <laughs> Who did? Yes. No, just yeah. okay, two good. is different. Good two job, guys. Different. Everybody so, had active. Everybody could have college football playoffs out of their top four. Nobody had repeat teams in their top four. That's it. That would be a fun. Gotcha. Part. Gotcha. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah, everything you guys have said, obviously. Um, LSU was phenomenal that year. Joey B and the wideouts he had, Thaddeus Moss, and that defense was also very stout. Um, Alabama, shortened season, but they were also phenomenal. And then I just got to put the Georgia team. I think 2016 team, uh, 2016 Clemson team was also fantastic, but I got to put the two Georgias above 
Michigan just because I I like I think if Georgia even got in this year, I think they could have um put up a, a little better fight against this Michigan team who was just kind of dominant on the on the offensive line, defensive line. Yeah, exactly. Um, and like this, these two Georgia teams, I guess that's the 22 team, but that 21 team went and played a Michigan team who had kind of the same style of what they were doing and handled them. Um, so I kind of like them. And then I'm not going to lie, seven through 10, I didn't remember a whole lot about these teams. I wasn't able to look much up because I've, <laughs> hey, I've had a day. You're new. I've had You're a new. day. Over, I've had a, I've had a day over here in, in upstate New York and it's not been an easy one. So I was like, I'm just going to throw these out there because I really don't remember much about uh, these those four teams. I know those teams, obviously they won it, but that's where I got there. I, I just think it would be hard to leave the Georgia teams out of your top five because of mm-hmm. how dominant they were. I mean, you won 29 straight um, football games, two nationals in that year. Like Those teams were obviously pretty dominant. Um, that LSU team was also just an extreme joy and fun fun to watch. They also had like one of the videos of the century of get the gat in the White House too, so you can't leave those guys out. So, I, I think I just, that's. Fair. I, I'm going to give you a pass on leaving that 18 Clemson team under the 16 one. Yeah, you said you had a hell of a day. So I really pass. didn't. I really didn't remember much about <laughs> those good. teams. I'm not and you're lie. new. You're new. We're breaking you into the sport, man. And 2017 Bama with two. MVP talking NFL quarterbacks on the same roster. It's all right. We we'll just throw yeah. you a bone there, Reese. It's sorry, we'll just throw you a bone. Sorry, we're not angry. perfect over here. We're only human. All right, here we go. Uh, JP, I don't know if you want to go back, but Reese's transfer portal is actually very similar to yours, if I remember correctly. I do have um, that pulled up still. Let me. Yeah, but his transfer portal internet. teams. We went through Reese, the shocker team on there. Jake dropped a Syracuse on at number five. Come on, Shay. For it, yeah. The cues were all their chips in, man. Fire me up, bud. Fran Brown and crew is getting them loaded, ready to go. <laughs> yeah. It's a national. That's a playoff contender next year. But I mean, Ole Miss. Obviously, we all know they got the seventeen commits. They got some of the big names, Walter Nolan, and like all the things they needed on defense. They went out and got. They also flipped. I think they have four guys or five guys on their roster. They flipped from the University of Alabama, which is pretty impressive. And then also Oregon. If you're going to go grab Dylan Gabriel and then also a former five-star um, and Dante Moore to be your backup over the future and then go get Evan Stewart. I mean, Dan Lanning knows what he's doing. I think he's going to have them prepped and ready to go for the Big Ten. They're going to be a favorite for that. And then Texas also, too, they're like, what What are we missing? We're missing two stud wideouts. Let's go get um, Bolden and then Bond. And then we can also get um, uh, Nye Black from Alabama as well. Um, great finds for them. Then Ohio State. You get the Judkins. You get we don't we're not sure on Will on Will Howard yet, but you go ahead and you get the Caleb Downs. You get Seth McLaughlin for the inside uh, for your center. You get pieces that you need to make them better. So I think, granted, they don't have the most like almost having seventeen. I think Ohio State only has like eight, but the eight they got are very very solid players. So I think this means a lot for them too. And then Florida State, you get the ten guys or ten commits. I have, I think there were ten four stars something like that. I think that's what I saw on on twenty four seven. Um, but you go and get, I forget their names, but uh, the two guys that are going to replace Coleman and uh, Johnny Wilson. And then you also bring in Diggs from LSU um, as a means to replace Benson. Um, and then DJU in there too. And they're also getting some defensive guys from uh, Arizona and then other SEC schools as well too. So they're going to be a team that's prepped and ready to go for an ACC that it's, I think it's still going to be kind of them and everybody else because mm-hmm. Clemson still hasn't done anything in the portal. Um, how are we not doing that, Dabo? But I think they're a team that's going to be a force to be reckoned with come the end of the season, too, with the additions they're making. So, 
I think you and JP share your entire uh, five. Yeah, our five is the same. The order of attack was, was not. Order is different. Um, flip, yeah. If you flip Oregon and Texas, and you flip Ohio State, Ole Miss, you have it on the nose. Um, but uh, we talked about it on mine, Reese. Uh, they were saying, you know, it, you wouldn't be that surprised if your top four are your top four buys for the playoff next year. Now, again, Oregon and Ohio State both can't have that buy being in the Big Ten. Yeah, but you could have, you know, uh, one or the other in that case. Uh, Texas, Ole Miss can't share that buy, but it's going to be these teams are going to be in the real fight for a buy, right? And if they're not the yeah. buy, five, six, seven, right? Somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They're not going to be a, they're, they're going to be no 10 through 12. They're going to be a team that's right in the middle or towards the top. All right. That was an action packed episode. Obviously, Reese missed a chunk of it, but he got his thoughts in, which is sorry, guys. Part. I'm back. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's a busy man. He's a busy man protecting the United States of America. So we appreciate Reese for jumping back on. But we went over a lot, a lot of recent news in college football. We'll keep this updated. So if you have any content ideas, something you'd like to see, rankings you'd like to fight against, shoot us a DM on Twitter. They're always open. We're always looking for new things. But we have a lot of fun content coming. If you haven't, hit the subscribe button on our YouTube. If you're on the app right now, two seconds away it's just click the damn button it's right by our name right below you so we appreciate you being here make sure you hop in next week we're going to live stream this as well probably from here on out follow us on tiktok at play the fight song every other platform is at play the fight pod every single other one yep (laughs) so a little branding air there from jake but we appreciate you being here it happens we'll talk to you next time jake take us away go hawks what